So it's, I was thinking it's not really a, a normal Easter Good Friday. So anyway, you know, normally we it's it's very serious, and we've got me, so it's not going to be. Um, <laughs> we've got me at the end of term. It's going to be a mess. Um, but it's um, you know that as we learnt last week, and Michael was so amazing last week. For those of you who didn't get to hear, I really, really recommend going back and listening to that but everything um, before and everything since points to the cross and the resurrection and um, there's there's nothing that doesn't link back to that you know in many ways every every time we gather together every time we hear the word of God it is a good Friday it is an Easter Sunday service um, because it's all meaningless um, without him, you know, it's it's all pointless without him. Um, and I think, you know, that the, the there's just, you know, unsurprisingly so many things today that have already just, um, I'm like, oh, you know, Isaiah 53, what a surprise. Um, but, um, and Rob, your your word, so, so true, you know, that there's a- absolutely nothing that can't be brought to the cross. And, um, so yeah, that's we're we're starting today um, with a little video clip. It's um, it's not at all serious, but it, I saw it and I, it was like, oh, this is just too good. So I'm sorry, as my nephew when he was much younger would say, it's got a swear in it. Um, and sorry, mum. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I've got to. Mum's going to tell me off. <laughs> But it's it is really funny, and hopefully it will help you remember what I talk about today. So, um, well, yeah. Excuse the language. And, oh no. So how do you get it to play on this thing? No. no. Can you kick? Can you press play? No. Ah, we had it before. It's going to work. Oh, that's right. I can. I'll. I'll summarise. You know what it's called? It's um, Kunk on Earth, the Last Supper. Um, so you'll just have to. Um, yeah, you'll just have to imagine. I'm not sure if you're up for that this early on a Friday morning. <laughs> The dimensions are all wrong. The room's squashed up so it looks like it's happening in the lid of a cardboard box. Jesus is twice as big as the others, so it looks like he's enjoying an intimate dinner with some schoolboys. Not a good look. And what are those bowls or seashells? It's just shoddy craftsmanship. Absolutely disgraceful. Shouldn't even be in a museum. But da Vinci's rebooted the same painting as a different story. He knew how to perspective the things. Look at the angles of the walls of the Last Supper and the table there. You almost feel like you can crawl inside it and betray Jesus yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so now can you go to the next slide? Um 
so as, as we know, at the Last Supper, Jesus pre- um, predicted his betrayal. In John 13, he says, you know, I'm, um, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who has shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon motioned to this disciple and and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken, Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Later on, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So when you took communion, when you took the bread, did you get it? Here are two disciples. Both have been with Jesus on his ministry. They've seen him work. They've seen his complete generosity, his focus on others. They've seen him healing others, um, feeding the poor, setting people right with God, reconciling people with one another, all in the most natural way. So natural, it was really hard to imagine. Um, in Luke 22, he warns Peter about his denial. But in Luke 22, he also goes on to remind them that he also cared about the boring needs. You see, in spite of everything, they didn't get it. Jesus knew this, and he said it. He said to them so many times, you don't get it. Don't you understand? You don't get it. One day you'll get it. But right now you don't. And in this, you know, we see, you know, Peter um, says, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? You know, there's this double prophecy happening here that, that Jesus is saying, you know, yeah, you're going to betray me. But yeah, you are going to lay down your life for me too. You know, there's that, there's both, both things are true. Um. So, yeah, in the same story in Luke, Jesus reminds them and says, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He takes care of it all. He looks after it all, big, small, no matter what. And at this stage, the disciples don't really get it. 
They know something's up. They know it's amazing being around him. But what they see is what's in front of them right then. There's no big picture. There's no perspective. They're jammed in the cardboard box version. They're not the Da Vinci version. Yeah? They're not getting the perspective. Um, at this time of year, we spend so much time often, um, you know, thinking about Judas. You know, Michael talked about how, how that unfolded and um, how that would have, the, the Last Supper would have happened, how they were set up and um, how the cedar meal would have been. Um, and sometimes we look at the story of Peter and it gives us comfort um, for messing up. But I really want us to take time to um, this day to examine ourselves and to look at the difference between Judas and Peter because both betrayed him. Regardless of what they knew, what they'd experienced, all of that, both betrayed him. But the big difference was how they responded. Judas went for that cardboard box knowledge of Jesus. It was crammed in. The perspective was all wrong. Jesus was over there. It, it was a disgrace. He didn't get it. He, he just didn't get it. It's the, it's the junk food approach, you know? It's, it, make, it makes you, it satisfies the immediate hunger, but then you're just left feeling hungry and a bit regretful about um, having fish and chips, which is how I often feel after having fish and chips. Um, <clears throat> it's nice in the mouth and not nice in the stomach. <laughs> and you begin to feel bloated and like something's wrong. And this is, I think, this is Judas. Judas had, had not had um, a, a decent perspective of who Jesus was. He hadn't, had a, had, hadn't fed deeply. He hadn't drunk deeply of the, the wine. He hadn't eaten fully of the bread. Um, he really likes, you know, the, 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 the surface level of it. You know, and sometimes we come to church and it's like, I love the fellowship. I love catching up with friends. You know, the socialising. Hey, and it's really cool. Sometimes you get to see cool things. People get healed. Um, answers to prayer. People give testimonies about what's been happening with them. And that's really, really nice. That's really lovely. But I don't really want those awkward conversations. And I really don't want those awkward conversations that spill out when I take this out to my workplace. I really don't want that. That's That's awkward. Um, that's, that's really not good. And that's the bit where we begin to be a little bit more like Judas going, mm, it, doesn't, it doesn't look good, like, you know, the first picture. It doesn't look good because you've got the perspective wrong. kind of looks like, yeah, Jesus hanging out with a whole lot of teenage boys going, what, this, it's not a good look, you know? Um, but that's, that's not the point. Maybe we are a bit more like Peter though. Maybe we go enthusiastically after what we think Jesus wants. Not really listening, but really acting. Oh man, I'm doing the stuff. Hands, feet, yeah, going, you know, but mind not really going and Jesus having to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's Slow down, listen. Because 
we have to remember what the cross, what Christ was all about. Um, it's all about reconciliation. It's all about the love, the generosity of his spirit. And if we're not careful, we end up getting hung up on things like who can use what toilet, forgetting that someone needs to go toilet. Um, that's a need. <laughs> and maybe we just need to, to go, you know, what actually is it all about? It's all about Jesus. And maybe we just don't talk about him at all. Don't make it obvious out there. Because, you know, I'm just living my life and I'm just letting my life be a witness and people can just experience God through the way that I live and I'm never going to say his name outside of here in case they think I'm weird. But, no, it's not because they don't want them to think I'm weird. It's because they're just going to see him through me, um, warts and all, you know. Um, and then we go, oh, people, when I meet them, they think they know what Jesus is about. But we as representatives aren't always great at showing what Jesus is all about. We're not good at listening to him. And we betray like Judas. We deny like um, Peter. And, you know, we doubt like Thomas. We're embarrassed by the humiliation that he suffered on the cross. We don't want to frame it like that, but really there is this embarrassment of the humiliation. Maybe it's not the fact that he died in the blood and the, and the painful death or the humiliation, of, but what it represents. It represents our sin, the world's sin. And that's really, it's shameful. It is something to be ashamed of. Our sin is something to be ashamed of. But not the cross. Not that Jesus died on it. So, um, do you know this man? As we heard in Isaiah 53, yes, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, we will see his offspring and prolong his days, and we will see, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Um, in some versions, it says, um, it was the Lord's delight or um, the Lord's pleasure. You know, that, that it, was, it was such a good thing that Jesus was crushed and suffered. And that's because he's not looking at the crammed in the cardboard box version. He's got the ultimate perspective. He's got the full big picture, all the shadows, all the nuance, all the beauty, everything. So both betrayed Jesus, really. Denial, betrayal. Kind of same. We're just playing with words there. But both ended so differently because one knew this man and one didn't really. One, pardon the pun, hung about and one didn't. This is where perspective becomes everything.
In Matthew 27, we read, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I've betrayed innocent blood. What's that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. See, Jesus didn't really know. Judas didn't really know Jesus. He didn't know what he was all about. And he tried to set things right with the priests, going back to the old ways. But the priests didn't know how to deal with that. You know, the priests are supposed to be the ones you go to in a situation like this. But they weren't equipped to deal with this kind of thing. And they just left him. And Judas, hopeless. He doesn't have anyone. Following Jesus, he screwed over a whole lot, felt like he screwed over a whole lot of his friends. Betraying Jesus, he screwed over Jesus. He messed messed up his friendships with the disciples. He was really, really lost. He was the ultimate lost sheep in that moment. Couldn't find a way out. He had no one to turn to, or he felt he had no one to turn to. And because he didn't have this perspective, he didn't get the themes that ran through Jesus's ministry, the generosity, the reconciliation, the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the reconciliation, the generosity, the forgiveness, the grace, the love. Because he didn't get that, that was the end of it. He didn't see any way out. But Peter, all through his ministry, had desperately sought to see, to understand what Jesus was about. He'd leapt in and he'd got it wrong so many times. But he kept trying. He didn't give up. And just like my students and my kids and me and probably you, if we really persevere at something and we keep messing it up, but we keep trying, we keep going, maybe if I try it this way, maybe if I try it that way, eventually a little something begins to click. You know? Um, Maybe when I'm doing the sixth step, I can do it if I do it, you know, really slow motion (laughs) when I'm doing breakdancing with Malachi, which is not a good idea when you're as old as I am. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it, it is that perseverance. And this is where Peter's perseverance really comes through. He stuffs up. He's heartbroken. He realizes what he's done. In some gospels, he realizes and it cuts him to the core. In some, he, he realizes, Jesus looks at him and he realizes what he's done. Whatever, it's, it's that heartbreak of knowing you have ultimately really badly um, stuffed up. There's, there's no way out. But because Peter got a little bit of what Jesus was about, he had a glimpse. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. All the, all the stuff wasn't there. It's like the painting compared to the real life thing, you know. He's, he's on the way. And so what he does is he still hangs out with the other disciples. And much like the other disciples who were a bit like Peter, they kind of got it but didn't quite... They didn't know what to do, but they knew that, and they felt it wasn't finished yet, something, they still hung out together. They didn't know what was coming, but they leant on each other for support. That's what we're about here. 
We're leaning on each other for support. When we're going, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know what Jesus is doing. But I'm coming here. I'm meeting with you or I'm coming to home group or I'm, you know, catching up with someone else in the, in the congregation, someone else to, to just, just be there supporting one another. Just be there with them and just waiting. And spoiler alert, they didn't know that it was Friday, but Sunday is coming. They didn't know the privilege that we have. But what we can learn from them is that if we hang around long enough, waiting long enough, and if we're seeking God's heart, and we're expecting that something's going to happen, don't know what, but something's going to happen, Jesus shows up. He always does. And so he shows up, and he shows his hands, and then doubting Thomas misses out because he wasn't there at that particular time. But obviously, we're still hanging out with them because when they tell him, he's like, um, I'll believe it when I see it. And remember, Jesus is all about the grace and the generosity. And so Jesus turns up and says, here, Thomas, you wanted to see it? You wanted to see it? Go, Go for it. And I love this because this is the thing where it's not just some ethereal ghost appearing. He's like, put your hands in it. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> check. It's real. I'm real. This really happened, you know? Um, get rid of that doubt. I'm going to make it no, no shading, no shadowing. Clear. You can feel it. So then he comes back to them again on the beach. And after they have breakfast on the beach, he then reinstates Peter. I really feel like we should do this on Easter Monday sometimes, you know, maybe having the, the reinstating, um, re- reinstating Monday or something. <laughs> and he says, um, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Sorry. Um, Maybe I've lost that one. Um, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. And when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you want, do not want to go. But Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And this ties back to Isaiah 63. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the Lord took all our iniquities when we were all lost like sheep. And then he said to Peter, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. 
feed my sheep. And this is the church. And this is what we are called to. We are called to feed, to care for, and um, feed the sheep, the young ones, the new believers, to care for one another, but to still keep feeding each other in our um, as we are older. So as a truly restored you, we know what it was like for Peter. We've got the Bible, we're lucky. But what would that be like for you? I mean, Thomas went on to India, um, went to the state where I was born. He was martyred for his faith, but what a life he led, what an adventure. I mean, this is what's kept my mum and dad going for so long, the adventure. (laughs) Um, And Peter, I mean, you don't know where to begin with Peter. What a life he led. And he was the rock. And this is the guy who could have so easily, at that point, when after denying Jesus, gone, that's it, it's over. I'm done, I can't go back now. And, And the heartbreak is that we never, that Judas never got that. I, I, I don't know what would have happened with his life afterwards, but I do know that reconciliation was still there for him because that's what the cross is all about. Nothing's too big. James said it before. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too bad. Nothing's too shameful. Nothing's too anything to take to the cross. Good Friday is so much more than Christ being humiliated unto death on a cross. So, to get to really understand Jesus, we need to understand that we are so reliant on him and his grace that he will show up. And when we gather together in a place like this, and you know when the disciples were gathering together waiting, we don't know anything about what they were talking about because it was obviously so inconsequential. Like Mark even adds in the funny story, um, I think it's funny, about um, the guy naked in a bedsheet, you know, when, when Jesus is taken from the, um, taken by, and, and arrested. And there's the, there's the young boy who's naked in bed, she's kind of following and then embarrassed and running away um, naked. It's like, what is that there for, um, apart from humour value? Um, <laughs> it's a very weird place to have a little bit of humour value in the gospel. But, you know, Mark adds that in. But what were the disciples talking about? They were afraid. Obviously, nothing really consequential happened then. But they knew they had to meet together. What they said wasn't important. What they did wasn't important at that time. They were, they were in that waiting, in that holding place. And sometimes it's really hard. And we're in that holding place. And God's going, just wait. Just wait. And we go, we don't know what we're waiting for, though. And that's really hard. Hey, mum and dad. <laughs> but this is what, this is what he's doing. This is his perspective. Get close enough that you could betray Jesus yourself. Get that close to him. Because let's be honest, you're going to. We're all going to deny him, doubt him, get it wrong. 
We're humans. That's the point of the cross. But remember that once we've done that, we don't have to keep doing that. We can go to the cross. We don't have to hide in shame. We don't have to cut ourselves off. Please, please respond as Peter did. Please respond as Thomas did. We don't want to hear him say, sorry, I never knew you. When we go, but we did this and we did that in your name. We want the hope, the promise, the adventure, the miracles that come with that life of being forgiven and being reconciled and being restored. Not watching other people doing it. We want to be a part of it. Well, I do. I don't know. Maybe you don't. I'll pray for you if you don't. (laughs) Um, So come, set it right. He's done his bit. And I'd really encourage you um, now as we come to the end, um, to, if there's something you feel like you need to set right, that something where you need reconciliation with Christ, then come to the cross. If you want to just wait in fellowship with others, having what your life hopefully will not be like, a fruitless hot cross bun. Thanks, James. Um, but if you want to live a fruitful life, but you feel like you're waiting, hey, even this fellowship time, God uses. God uses that fellowship time. And he'll come in the midst of it if that's what he has to do to set it right for us to respond. He's done his bit. He chose the cup. Now it's our choice. How do we respond? I'm just going to pray. And, um, yeah, if you do want to come up, come up. And otherwise, um, stay for fellowship and fruitless buns. Lord, we thank you so much that we have the, um, the privilege of knowing that Sundays are coming, that we have the privilege of knowing that nothing cannot be um, brought to you. And Lord, I pray that you will cut through anything that is stopping us from really knowing you and the the barriers that we are putting up to try and pretend that you don't really know us. Lord, we just come. We cannot wait to see what would happen in our lives, in this church, in this city, in this country, in the world, if we let you reconcile with us fully the way that Peter did, the way that Thomas did. Lord, I pray that not just now, but as we go through the rest of the day, the week, the year, that you will keep on reconciling us, coming and showing us, reminding us of those scars that you bear so that we can do amazing adventures with you. Amen.
Come apart, come apart 